With each module's curriculum, the expertise of the Inner MBA faculty moves us forward in our journey to become more wise and compassionate at work. We've created this podcast platform so that these sessions are available to you not only on the learning platform, but also here in audio format. It's our hope that having the core curriculum available in this way will enable you to experience these teachings at your own pace and in the way that works best for you. I'd like to welcome you to this section of the course, working on exploring interdependence and loving kindness and compassion. I've always felt that loving kindness as a factor of mind, as a factor of heart, was a very powerful thing. So many times we hear a word like love or kindness, or perhaps the combo loving kindness, and we think it's a little bit saccharine or weak, sort of submissive, and, and maybe a little too sweet. Uh, but actually, I find it a power. And I think it's a power precisely because it aligns us with the truth of how things actually are. The best concept I've, I've thought of or, or read about for loving kindness is actually connection. It doesn't mean we like somebody or we approve of them or that we're going to just lie down and let them keep behaving the way they have been behaving to the best of our ability, we might seek change. But deep down, there's a worldview, there's a sensibility of inclusion, of recognizing that everybody counts, everybody matters, and our lives are intertwined. And that's actually how things are. It doesn't take kind of a meditative understanding to come to that or uh, spiritual understanding to come to that. Science shows us this. Economics shows us this. Environmental consciousness certainly shows us this. Even epidemiology shows us this. That what happens over there doesn't nicely stay over there. It filters out over here. And what we do, what we care about, where we put our energy, it matters. Because it too will filter out along these lines of interconnection, interdependence. It's just the way things are. And Anytime we get closer to the truth, more in harmony with how things actually are, we are more powerful for it. We see it in so many different ways. Once I was uh, driving with these friends in a car and we were stuck in this terrible, horrible traffic and complained bitterly about it the whole while. And then at one point my friend turned to me and said, well, we're the traffic too, you know. And I thought, oh, right. You know, like, what is the sense that I own the road? I am in the center of existence. And these interlopers, these others, are out there hogging up the space. We are all the traffic on that road. So this doesn't mean that we lose all distinction or our sense of, of discernment or discrimination in the sense of, of wise discrimination. But we understand that this self and other and us and them is a construct and that together we are influencing one another, that in some profound way we are all in this together. 
I can remember when I was uh, reading about the terrible sequence of events happening in Fukushima, ending up with a nuclear incident. And I was reading a French newspaper in English and, um, and the headline, it said something like, radioactive material is flowing across the Pacific due to fortuitous winds. And I thought, yeah, maybe they're fortuitous if you're in France, but they're not that nice if you're in Seattle. And besides, don't we believe anymore that the earth is round and it can kind of come around the other side? There's this sense of interconnection. It's not romantic or, or sentimental. It's just the truth of things. So what would it be like if we honored that more, if we lived and worked in a way where that was our worldview? My friend Bob Thurman, who's a professor of Buddhist studies at Columbia University, had this example that he used quite a lot. It was, imagine you're on a subway and these Martians come and they zap the subway car so that those of you who are in there are going to be there together forever. So what do you do? Somebody's hungry, you try to feed them. Somebody's freaking out, you try to calm them down. Not because you necessarily like them or you approve of them, but because you're going to be together forever. Guess what? There's a great truth in that. So what happens at work when we take that notion of interconnection or interdependence into a workplace. We have a very different sense of the team. I was talking recently to a, the head of a medical practice, the head of a hospital, and he was saying in the midst of, you know, current pandemic conditions and everything they are facing, he said, you, knew, you know who I'm thinking of that I never really considered before is the housekeeping staff. Who do we owe recognition to? Who are we counting on? And always, if I go into a corporation or an organization to teach, my question is, how many other people need to do their jobs well for you to be able to do your job well? Because in fact, that sense of isolation of complete independence. It's not true. We are counting on others just as they are counting on us. Life is like a network. And to have this vision actually allows us to see more deeply into what we might want to influence, how we might want to seek to change things, ways we might express gratitude and appreciation that we've maybe overlooked before. It's like if you look at a tree is the classic example. On one level, which is also true, you just see this single entity standing there. It's a tree. But there's another way of looking at the tree and understanding it's a network of relationships, of connections, of conditions. You can look at the tree and sense the soil that is nourishing it and everything that affects the quality of that soil includes the rainfall and everything that affects the quality of that rainfall, which we now know is, is pretty extensive. And the sunlight and the moonlight and the quality of the air. And just as an act of active imagination, who planted that tree? 
what were their hopes and dreams and their, their situation? Who, if anyone, kind of nurtured that plot of land? We look at the tree and we see just so much. That's also true. You want a healthy tree? Maybe we have to think about the rainfall. You want a healthy office? Maybe you have to think about different elements of the team. So this is wisdom. You know, it's not being kind of uh, hippie-ish, you know, and, and having a sense of, of uh, loving kindness. Because loving kindness, that is weird, you know. It's not having a sense of loving kindness that's just sentimental. Because loving kindness is the natural response. Loving kindness and compassion is the natural response to the knowledge of interconnection. It's a recognition. It's a worldview. May not be emotional at all, but it's a sense of inclusion. I was once teaching in a public school that was rented, you know, because it was a weekend retreat uh, in Washington D.C., and they had the school's rules of kindness on the board. And everyone, like when we were doing walking meditation, we we're doing other things, we kind of, you know, sneak a look at the rules of kindness because they're really great. And it was things like respect everyone on the inside and the outside and, and so on. And my very favorite rule of kindness was everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to play. Not everyone is my best friend, but everybody gets to play. Everybody belongs in a way. Everyone has a part to play. And actually helping them play that part to the maximum of their ability is a beautiful thing because everybody rises up when one person can perform that much more, that much better. Loving kindness is that sense of connection. It's a recognition that everybody wants to be happy, actually, in the most profound sense of happiness. And we are also so misled and so confused and uh, just the myths and even the lies that we've been trained in, that we've grown up with about where happiness is to be found. Take some examination, but everybody actually wants to be happy. And all of us are so vulnerable. It's not like we all share the same measure of pain because we don't, but everyone knows that life can change on a dime or we should know by now. And, and the sense of insecurity and uncertainty and loss is pretty universal. And so we can have a sense of linkage with people rather than the sense of isolation. It's easy to think of a force like loving kindness as being uh, just kind of covering over difficulty, which it's not. I think of the research of uh, Barbara Fredrickson, who's a researcher at the University of North Carolina who studies positive states like gratitude and loving kindness is a big thing she studies, uh, equanimity or balance, positive states like that. And she has a theory, it's known as the Fredrickson broaden and build theory of positive states. So it's not like we cultivate these states in order just to feel good, you know, and have a good time. Uh, but because they broaden our perspective and they build a sense of inner resource. Broaden makes a lot of sense to me. We have an expanded sense of possibility. 
when we have the, this knowledge of interconnection and the sense of connection, which is loving kindness to those around us and ultimately to all. Our world opens up. We have a greater sense of possibility. So many more options appear to us, so much more creativity. It's expansion. That makes so much sense to me because I think about when I'm lost in the opposite states, not just feeling them, but really lost in them, really locked in there, fear, anger, greed, jealousy. They're all states of closing down where the world gets very small and I feel imprisoned. It's like if you think about the last time you were very, very, very angry at yourself, I don't know how long ago that might have been, but bring it back. It's not a time where you also thought, hey, I did five great things that same morning that I said that stupid thing in the meeting. Those five great things, they are gone, right? We, we fixate, we obsess, everything contracts. So it makes sense to me that states of connection would do the opposite. They would open us. And what's really spooky, I kept checking this because I thought it was so eerie. They did this research on people doing loving kindness practice and they found their peripheral vision actually got better. Think of that. So that's the broaden part. And then there's the build part. There's a sense of inner resource. And we see like the stress dynamic is actually a dynamic. There's the stressor, the pressure, the deadlines, you know, the unknown pressing down upon us. And then there's the resource with which it's met. It's a dynamic. So building a sense of inner resource is never wrong. It's really a tremendous asset in facing any kind of adversity or uncertainty. And the practice of things like loving kindness, qualities like loving kindness, will actually build that sense of some wherewithal inside, some ability to meet what is happening in life no matter what. And so it's a tremendous leadership quality, I find, because it actually allows us not only to expand our vision and have a much bigger sense of possibility, but not to be so undone by changing circumstance. Because we have this center, we have something very alive within us that is actually going to accompany us with whatever we meet.